this guy, that guy, and this other guy in. We've seen that laser shot a few times already this year from Brock Besser. He's got himself a spring. Head up all the way, head up, head up, head up, big look, and then you can hear the ping, the shooter's ping. You can see that shot knocked down. Hendrick, attack for Daniel. Such a go, he scores! The Area 51 Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Area 51 Hockey Podcast with Nick, Sean, and Jess. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It was a bit of a wet one getting home today. Uh, I was waiting at the train with about 400 other people waiting for the 555 bus, just getting poured on. You know, good old Vancouver, a little bit of rush hour during election day, but uh, we're here and we're, you know, excited about the new season. Canucks have... uh, They've gotten off to a good start. It was shaky at the beginning, but it's looking good now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been wet up here too, actually. But, I mean, I went to work. Somebody brought in a box of Girl Guide cookies, so I can't nice. complain. Uh, anytime you get Girl Guide cookies, you're, you're guaranteed a good Monday. So I'm hyped, man. I'm happy to be finally talking Canucks again with you guys. It's been a little bit. Um, yeah, just scheduling. Just, yeah, just scheduling yeah our stuff, schedules but... have been crazy, but... Yeah, it's nice to kind of get it all settled down, down a little bit, and get back at her. So if I'm correct, the Canucks have won four in a row because that game in New Jersey never happened, right? <laughs> I would love to be like Men in Black, memory wiped of that game, not because it was just like an overall terrible effort, but because it was just a boring game, and I want my the time of my life back that is busy trying to recall anything remotely cool that happened in that game other than Jeff yeah but Hughes also the biggest the biggest <laughs> troll the biggest troll in nhl history when jack hughes just decided to wait till his brother showed up in town to score yeah <laughs> right yeah. there's a stack going back that vancouver hasn't won a game in new jersey since like 2011 or something since they drafted Bo. since they drafted yeah. Bo. jeez yeah, since the Schneider for Horvat. And I think it's been two years in a row in New Jersey they've been shut out too. Yeah, yeah by that guy. You, by by Blackwood. Blackwood. His, he's only has three shutouts in his career. Two are against Vancouver at home. Do you know who the other one's um, against? No. Should look that up. I'm curious. Yeah. Who cares? He's Cause, a devil. Because that's the thing. is like... <laughs> You know, people are like, oh, Blackwood's a really good goalie, though. And sure, like, he's he's a decent goalie. But like that stat shows, he doesn't have anybody's number quite like he has the Canucks. Yeah. And it's inexplicable, really. On paper, the Devils are terrible, right? They've upgraded over the summer. But we, like, we talked about it on the podcast here even, that we knew that it wasn't enough. They had yeah, we... major deficiencies in net. And yeah. they're deep. Right, so sure they can score some goals, but that's about it. That's about where it stops for the day. But so for a proven... team that's well-rounded and on a roll, it didn't make any sense that the Canucks would come, just hit a wall with them. Yeah. Right. You can score three goals on Henrik Lundqvist, but you can't score any on Mackenzie Blackwood. Doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Just seems to have the Canucks number for whatever reason. It's crazy. Well, the thing too is like, yeah, the Devils are a bad team, but the NHL is a pretty, is a pretty like the, there's parity in the league compared to some of the other major leagues like basketball, for example. 
where mm-hmm. oh, for sure. like anybody can beat any team on a good day. You know, mm-hmm. would I place money on it? Some of it, no. But there's there's bad teams that do but win you against can good with teams, like, like the Tam- NBA. Yeah, like <laughs> Tampa lost to Ottawa already this year. Yeah, you know, after beating Toronto. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Montreal over the weekend there was a back to back situation, but they played St. Louis and, and killed them. And, and then, then they lost played... to Minnesota. Yeah. Now, back-to-back's a little different, but still, point being is there's enough parity in this league where good team, good teams lose to bad teams, okay teams lose to bad teams, and bad teams can can beat anyone. Well, and that's the weird part, too, is, like, you were kind of mentioning the back-to-back thing. Generally, the second game of a back-to-back is the hardest one. Yeah, that's right? the weird part about this. So, season. the Canucks go in, they play an absolute stinker in New Jersey... And everybody's like, oh, matinee, blah, blah, blah. Demko right? played good. They go and play a back-to-back game, a second game the next night, another matinee, and they have arguably the best two periods of their whole season yeah. in the first and second periods, and then they just hang on for dear life in the third. That's stupid. But they mat- end up beating the Rangers. That stupid matinee game, I forgot about that it was an early morning game, and I forgot to update my fantasy roster. And I had Pete oh, no. and Bo on the bench. Ugh. I saw that it was 3 nothing right off the bat, and they both had points, and I was like, oh, no. Nick, no. Nick, you don't, Nick, you don't get to talk about fantasy hockey on this. Just because I'm killing it doesn't mean I can't complain. It's rigged. Yeah. It's rigged. I think it might be after seeing your guys' lineups. I was like, well, I, were I, you guys I, like, all in just auto-draft and Nick wasn't? What happened here? Well, I, no, I just want to I just want to know if, like, Taylor, you're, like, you're paying Taylor to just drop these players to Dude, you. Dude, you or... know I'm cheap as can be. Yeah. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> you somehow con Taylor into paying him to yeah. take his stuff. There's probably other ways, but giving him money, no, I'm way too cheap. But, so let's talk about the Canucks, like, besides that one bomb of a game, these past, like, the other games, like the Rangers game and the couple previous ones, they've started to look pretty dang good. Well, let's, let's talk about their, their <laughs> penalty kill, like, you know. It, oh, yeah, it's, that's a good place speaking, to start. Yeah, like, their penalty kill has flirted with first overall in the league a little bit, a couple times this year. Um, right now, I think they're sitting third right now, I believe. Uh, behind Vegas and San Jose um, at 93%. And to top it off, uh, Beagle got a shorthanded goal. So, uh, you know, their penalty kill looks really strong. And you know what? I'm got to say, you got you, you can't deny it. Tim Schaller has had a bounce back of a year so far with being mm-hmm. a main reason why that penalty kill is so good. I hate it. Who cares? It's crazy. Man? It's so good. Like, I know. I just hate the, it. <laughs> the, it's funny to me because at the beginning of the season, Thomas Drance of the Athletic was pointing out that Tim Schaller is a perfect candidate for a bounce back season. Yeah. And I kind of laughed it off and was like, okay, yeah, like here's a new media member, like or a new again media member entering the Vancouver market. And he's taking a reclamation project. I like it. Whatever. It's probably not going to happen. And then it did. (laughs) And it was funny because it's been such a noticeable bounce back to the point where, like, there's plays that he makes. And I'm like, oh, that was good. Like, who? 
shower, shower? <laughs> and there's like like that every game is there's I, I remember really early on in the season there was a couple of plays where uh tim Schaller's up on the boards he's got his back uh, like a defense defender right on his back and he gets the outlet pass and he feels the pressure there and he just tips it off the boards right around the him and the defender for a perfect outlet pass for a streaking winger and i'm like that's great spatial awareness and hockey iq and just like overall execution just in that one simple type of play and he's done it several times from tim Schaller. I, well, like I something that think, he was not doing last year at well, all i personally think it's the reason he's on the team right now and sven barchi is not yeah is, is the pe- the defensive play of the penalty kill and just you know not the offensive and the skill but his his penalty kill and his defensive play have been, you know, it's a reason he's in the lineup and Louis Erickson isn't either. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, he's been feisty too. Like, uh, I know he didn't stick his knee out on Subban. Like, it looked. It was, it, Subban it, was just it was, skating it was fine. that way, right? Um, but he's he hasn't been shying away from any of that, right? And I think that's a great thing. That's something that we've been missing. And that was one of the big reasons when we initially signed Schaller that I actually really liked the signing. And then he made me regret liking the signing really quickly. But now he's kind of redeeming himself. So it's it's kind of a nice, you know, who knows? Maybe if we do push the playoffs, that's the kind of player that you want. And if we are falling short, that's the type of player that you can sell off for assets really easy at the trade deadline. What is his contract again? Is he up this year? Or does he have he's up this year. He's getting paid one point nine. Yeah, so it's pretty per. livable. Which last? Oh, absolutely. Was, which last year was like gross, but this year is looking pretty okay. Yeah, like it's a yeah. small sample size for sure. But if he can keep maintaining this play till February, but a team, then but it, and a team it, will definitely be calling at the deadline. Well, especially like a yeah. team like Boston, like you know they're familiar with him, and if they have a guy that goes down that's on the penalty kill, they'll they'll throw us a. A pick for him, probably. Yeah, Boston was sad to lose him, and that they was were. the thing. Was they? And I was, I was really excited when we got Tim Schaller because I thought that that was exactly the kind of player that we needed. Right, gritty, hard to play against, plays really good, uh, like fourth line, third line minutes, a little bit of a scoring touch sometimes, but he's just a shutdown guy. And then he showed none of that promise last year. This yeah. year he's. He's showing every reason why Benning went out and got him in the first place. So it'll be interesting to see how this final year of his contract goes, whether he finishes the year as a Canuck or ends up as trade bait just to kind of get some or recoup some assets back. Um, I don't know, because the thing is the Canucks have the depth, right, to be able to to trade off Tim Schaller at the deadline and not compromise their their playoff push, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of weigh both options, no problem. Schaller's been good. It it hurts me to say it because I prefer. <laughs> I could hear the pain in your voice. <laughs> you're like, you're like that was what you're like. Schaller's been good. Uh, you know what it is? It's it's hard sometimes to not say the name. Like, once you get a certain player's name in your head, you just associate with bad play, even if he's... And sometimes when it's just been, like... Schaller, let's just be frank, I don't think he was good really at all last year. 
Besides no, maybe the odd once in a blue moon game where you're, and it wasn't even like he was. Anytime he was playing Dallas, yeah, that was about it. That was about it, he right? Loves Dallas, and it's and it's and it's really hard to pronounce players' names too when you can't pronounce players' names. Exactly. <laughs> but for me, it's just like it's hard disassociating the name from the play, yeah. especially after a bad year. Even though he's looked really good to start this season, and. Well, like, I'll be the first to say it. Like, when Berchi was waved down, I'm like, how does Tim Schaller stay in this dang lineup? Because I, I honestly mm-hmm. didn't think Schaller played a great... Well, I wasn't, to be fair, I wasn't probably paying as close of attention but in preseason, but I didn't think he really stood out. I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked okay. But I thought like, he looked more engaged than all of last year. But that was about it, yeah. really. Like, Sven Berchi had, a, I thought, a pretty strong like, preseason. Like, Berchi with Gaudette? Yeah. I was just, like, they were playing, they were, they looked like the best players on the ice some nights in preseason. So yeah. I, oh, like, I agree. I, I couldn't get past that Schaller was still on this team. And I couldn't understand why. And I knew people were like, oh, we, well, we need someone to actually play some defensive roles on the floor. And I'm like, I get that, I get that, but... Is Tim Schaller really Well, that I'd rather guy? have Schaller than some other guys. And you know what? At this it, point. It turns out to be that Schaller is that guy. Yeah. Like, if he if he maintains this and plays like this for another two weeks, then then I'll start praising. Like, I'll really start praising. I just... It's a little too short just of a not window. Ready it's a little too short of a window. Like, you know how some players just catch, like, like just... They're good for, like, three games, four games, five games. Like, they just hit a little bit of a hot streak. And then they cool off and go back to their old ways. I just want to see that he isn't going to revert back to last year. That's fair. I know what it's like when you get a bad taste in your mouth. I think all of Vancouver does. You you mentioned Louis Erickson and everybody just cringes, right? Yeah. Well, and um, that's like even just... if Louis would have a good game, like Louis could score a couple goals, and everybody would just say about time, yeah. right? Rather than oh, good job. Yeah. So it's like he sucks, or it's about time. There was and... never a positive statement for Louis. Yeah, exactly. I can understand that with Schaller, but I think Schaller is for real this year. Uh, I don't he's see definitely him looking for real. Back. I'll give him that. He's definitely yeah. looking for real. Um, I just think it's his overall engagement this year is just and that's much a good higher. Point. Yeah, I just think it's for me. It's a little too early to tell, but that's not just against him. It's just like this whole league right now. Like some teams have only oh, played everything's si- too early. Some teams have only played six games. Like. Mm-hmm. Once they're like, once you hit the fifteen twenty game mark, and you hit like that quarter of the season, then you can kind of start to predict as like where your team's going to be as an average for the most part. You know, give yeah, or take. It's American teams Thanksgiving. Don't... Yes, exactly. everybody has it penned as American Thanksgiving is kind of your your first milestone. Next is the winter break. That's when GMs um, really know what they have on their team, right? Yeah. You got, they're done you, their assessments. You're done they're, your assessments. If you got guys that you're sending back to juniors, they've been sent. You got your mm-hmm. other guys. You probably have suffered an injury or two by that point, so you've called up a guy or two. Stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. But overall, well, let's. You, I'm just sorry. I was gonna just because we were praising the Canucks and how good they've looked. Where haven't they looked good? Like not maybe even stat wise, just like your eye watching the games. Like what do you, what doesn't look great to them? For me, it's the power play. Uh, the oh, power play yeah. looks uh, 
anemic, man. Like, I don't know what... It, they they made some tweaks to it in New York, and I'll give them that. We'll see if that can bring some, any long-term success because everybody's pretty hyped after the Detroit game and yeah. thinking all their woes were gone, but clearly not the case. I mean, I was um, pretty hyped at the Detroit game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were there. You were on the TV, everything. It was awesome. I was on Sportsnet uh, repeat all night long, baby. Oh, yeah, you're, you're on the highlight reel and everything. <laughs> I'm on YouTube forever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was hilarious. Oh, man, my we'll phone blew, blew. No, man, my phone blew up. I can like, imagine. I'm not kidding. It went insane. I got over 100 text messages in an hour. It was just like... Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. People, there was, I counted, there was 15 texts from numbers I don't have saved in my phone, but they obviously have my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They're like, oh. Two of them are us, the by the way, Nick. But that, <laughs> 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 that Detroit uh... game was the game they actually started to look really good. And which was actually a little bit surprising because no one expects Detroit to be good this season. But Detroit was mm-hmm. playing really good up Nick, until dry- that game. Nick, your dryer's done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear that. I didn't um, hear that. Yeah, I thought that um, I thought that the game against Detroit was really promising. But um, and one of the big things that I, was my big takeaway, aside from you know that there was some power play success there and trying to boost the confidence of those guys, Thatcher Demko was really good. <laughs> Yeah, like really, really good. Good. Um, he he let in the early one, right? Yeah. From Dylan Larkin. Wasn't every wasn't goalie is giving though. that one up? No. Yeah. Like if you leave Dylan Larkin all alone in front of the net, he's going to score. Yeah. That's just how it is, right? The guy is too good. He had too much space. Complete defensive lapse. I don't blame him at all for that. Mm-hmm. And then he shut the door. He really shut the door for the Canucks and. And that's where I was like, okay, this guy's a lot more ready than people have given him credit for. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a tough mental jump. You know, you're back up. You don't get a lot of games as it is. This is your big shot. 30 seconds, then you let in a goal. You, right? That would rattle you, man. That rattles you. And he wasn't rattled at all. Like he, It didn't seem like it phased him because he played an outstanding rest of the game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, aside from the Detroit game, uh, last, I think it was the last podcast we had the debate about the Quinn for power play one or Edler for power play one. Yeah, that was, I just kind of want to dunk on you guys on this because Edler looked good in the Detroit game, but honestly, if I see another drop pass or him shoot into the shin pads one more time, I might just cheer for another team I don't know jump off a bridge I'm, I'm, just, I'm just gonna let you know Sean that you are probably gonna end up cheering for another team or jumping off a bridge because we all know that's gonna like we you may not want it to happen and I kind of am starting to agree with you yeah Quinn should probably play on PP1 but Green's not gonna let that happen you know what not, though? I, I think it's changing you know what I just like after the Detroit game when they did have success and then they had a couple games where it couldn't get going. I'm just happy that Green did change it up. Edler yeah. obviously worked right. in the Detroit game. It didn't work for the next couple of games. Green changed it up and it looked yeah. better. Now, you know, small sample size. If if Hughes stays on the 
power play one for five games and they look great, fly at her. Now, I just want to see consistency out of the power play. Nothing's worse than a cold power play. It can kill your season. Well, and you know what? I think I think it was Ian McIntyre, actually, who ha- made a really good point about this whole debate. He said that ultimately the power play goes through two guys, Patterson and Besser. If those two guys are cold and not doing anything, the power play is not going to have success regardless of the guy 100%. managing the point, which I agree with. Yeah. Um, but the thing that makes me choose Quinn Hughes over Edler, one is just the ability to break out by himself. Uh, two, just his overall... He, like, There's so much more movement on the power play when Quinn Hughes is on it. When Edler's on it, everybody stands still. Bastard doesn't move. Him and Edler just kind of play pass with it for a bit. Then Edler tries to pretend like he's going to pass, but everybody knows he's actually going to shoot. It's like a Shea Weber th- power play in Montreal, and he just waffles this little muffin into the zo- into the hey the sea of legs. Don't right? you like, be disrespectful. Weber actually shoots. Don't you be disrespecting my Habs power play. They've had a power play goal in every game but one. Yeah, They're I know. But that's and you know what? And you know what? Has no, 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 no. But here's the thing: they've taken Weber off of power play one. They put Petrie in. Yeah, and it's looked really but, I mean, good. But anyway, that yeah. was just that was just an analogy. I don't I care about the halves. Uh, <laughs> but here, here's the stat that ultimately I wanted to dunk on you guys, and this is uh, props to Daryl Keeping on Twitter for sharing this. You can tell Sean's been saving this. He's been pestering. Mm-hmm. Us oh, once podcasts. I saw this today, I was like, "This is going into my pocket for later for sure." Quinn Hughes on the power play is leading the league in Corsi 4 per 60. He's producing at 157.04 Corsi 4 per 60. Second place is Shea Theodore of the Vegas Golden Knights at 136.44. That's a gap of over 20 shots per hour. Yeah, but... Quinn Hughes in second place in the league. Yeah, but if you want to compare think Edler, I'm... one sec. No, no, you hold on. <laughs> if you compare Edler, it is over fifty shots differential. Over fifty shots between candidate one and candidate two What's for power play size? one. Eight games doesn't doesn't matter if you have one guy that's head and shoulders above the league let alone your next best option, you pick the guy that's leading the league. I was just curious. Like, I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not disputing. I was just curious, was it the full eight games that it was going off of? That's all I, I do think. Yeah, I no, do, it's the whole season. Yeah, so far. I, I do think that Shea Theodore would be at least tied with him if he had both testicles. So, you know, that's, that's all <laughs> oh. I have to say about that. Come on. <laughs> <What is> <laughs> I don't even want to touch that. So the reason <laughs> I was advocating for Edler on PP1 to start the season was because I looked at the Canucks' initial start of it all, and I figured they actually had enough talent to run two power play units that could be effective. But they don't. They should be able to, but they don't. But they don't. So, uh, and I was never denying that Edler was better than Hughes? I don't think I did anyways. If I did, I'd take this back and I could look like an idiot egg on my face. That's fine. I was just... I I, I believe I used the analogy of when Ho- Horvat would be on the second and then if you had Q, 
Um, he was we were trying to balance ba- two power plays. Yeah, it was balancing it out so both of them were a threat. Well, if both yep. of them aren't working, then they're, none of them is a threat. So stack the first one. So if that's what they have to do and Hughes is that key, absolutely. Hughes on first. I'm just saying, if you're well, able to get two of them to be a threat and you have yep. to balance it to be, well, then that's mm-hmm. where I sit. Yeah. Well, and I'm happy that Green did that, right? Because he very easily could have stuck to his guns and said, these guys will figure it out. I have full faith in this. We are running two power plays this year. Yeah. But he saw that it wasn't working. The confidence was completely shaken. And the fans were un... Like, there was like... I mean, like always, the Canucks fans base was in a unrest over this, right? Um, so he kind of amalgamated the best of both and let her run and way better options. Another thing that they did was they switched Pedersen and Besser on their sides uh, to kind of get rid of the one-timer options. Generally, their wrist shots are better anyways, Um, but it actually ends up giving Pedersen a better vantage point uh, for Pedersen. And you could see it just through the movement on the power play. He was able to thread into the middle to Horvat a lot easier from that side. And, right. that, and that's where Horvat got his goal against the Rangers was from that exact kind of play where Petey's going downhill and sends it right into the into the middle to Horvat. So your your biggest thing to start the season has been the, the PP1, who's quarterbacking it. My biggest thing so far this season is um, Gaudet has now sat out four straight games mm-hmm. in as a healthy scratch. And to me, it's like, what is the point of keeping up here, him up here when he could be down in the AHL lighting it up with the boys and getting more time? Yeah. Um, I do think he's NHL ready, but Green is mm-hmm. pretty pretty. He's sold on that fourth line of Beagle, Tim Schaller, and, and Mo, uh, Tyler uh Mo, Mo. but Mott but yeah. for me um he like Godet's not a not a fourth line guy so no you know I understand where Green thinks that those three guys are better in that role so I understand why he's up in the press box but like you, you know at this point why don't you shake the lineup and make Furland or or Levo a healthy scratch just to wake them up a little and put Godet in as a winger or something otherwise I like, please. Furland has. A I know. I want God that in. To be a hundred percent honest. But to be fair, Furland was sick to start the season. Yeah, he lost sure. twenty pounds, and to lose twenty pounds like that—that's big. Yeah. I'm no, not like he has every excuse ex- in the book to not yeah. be at peak shape. And I actually put it out on on Twitter, kind of like, what do you do with him, right? How do you help him? And people are like, oh, give him time, blah blah blah. And I was like, no, like seriously. Do you sit him out for a bit and let him like recoup his health better, and in the meantime run Godet? Uh, do you try to give him better playing minutes? Do you continue to reduce his ice time like he has been? He played seven minutes last game, right? He, like, he's playing no minutes. Or like, what do you do to help Michael Furland figure his stuff out? Because this is clearly not working. Personally, I think the thing about Michael Furland is everyone is just going to be super frustrated with him during the season. And then if we make the playoffs, 
I think all of a sudden it's going to be like, whoa, this is why we have him. Like he's like he's leading the team in hits, and mm-hmm. he's that physical presence that we need. Um, but I season guy, I think if we make the playoffs, he that's where you really see his value of his contract and his role in the Canucks lineup. Um, and I just think he will f- the crap out of fans all year long. But um, that's what I think. I think he'll be there for the playoffs uh, for us really well. Uh, it was really Rich. nice to s- it was really nice to see uh, him get a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, St. Louis, right? Yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. he got he a goal, so that was nice. That was nice. Yeah, no, like I think you're probably right with how his first year will go. And I think as next year rolls around the corner, I could see guys like Schaller not be resigned, obviously. Um, and I think we sent him. Berlin kind of fill in a role. I think we trade him at the deadline. I, yeah, I could see it. I, yeah, I could see it. Just because we have so much depth, right, that you could pull up. Um, I mean, even if you wanted a guy similar to him, there's Zach McEwen in, the, in Utica. Yeah. Right? Like, with more offensive upside, more grit. So, but, I mean... But that defensive side of Tim Schaller is really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest um, positive stories out of this early part of the season so far is that the the bottom six has played well. Mm-hmm. I mean, so well that Gaudet's sitting in the press box, unfortunately. And uh, if Gaudet was down in Utica right now... He'd be leading the league in points, probably. <laughs> well, that Utica, Utica team's already so stacked. Oh, I know. Could you, you add God Dad on there? I did not expect Utica to be that dominant. No. Like, oh, I knew they'd be good. When Dobin went down, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> okay, maybe it wasn't... Maybe it wasn't that I didn't expect Utica to be so good. It's more I expected more... Like in the fashion they're beating them? Yeah, like I expected other teams to be better, if that makes sense. Yeah, like the Well, because Utica's stomping people, right? Yeah, like, they're they, destroyed. They beat, they beat Rochester the other night 7-1. Yeah. And, like, that's not an abnormal score. Like no. they, So for, for illustration's sake on how... Badly, Utica's been beating teams. Utica's 5-0, and right? Toronto Marlies are 6-0. and But Utica has six more goals playing one less game than the Toronto Marlies. Yeah. Utica crazy. is leading the league in goals against average and in goals for. Well, you know what they said? That's the craziest part of that was uh, Sven and Goldie both went down with a positive attitude. Oh yeah, yeah. Goldobin. Well, and I mean, good. I'm like, where is this Goldobin? Well, Goldobin uh, and Boucher are leading the league in scoring. Well, and he's yeah. like Goldobin's the NHL player of the week. Yeah. Like, oh man, yeah. if this Gold Goldobin oh. could stay like this on the Canucks, right? Oh, next year would be so good. Maybe. Well, and I think he could. You know, yeah. I, I don't think he can produce quite at the clip that he's at no. right now, obviously, because it's insane. But yeah. I think he he's more than capable of producing in the NHL level. There was a really dumb tweet John Shannon put out. and I, He said that the Canucks are doing a really good job developing. Nick oh, Nick yeah, Goldobin. I saw that. And it was like, buddy, he played I was, the whole NHL like, last year. Up. 
<laughs> I was like, he's not de really developing anymore, right? Like, and Utica is not the ones developing him, right? Like, he, he developed in San Jose's system with the Barracuda, and then he came over to Vancouver. He played mostly in the NHL, and now he's back with Utica again, and he's tearing it up because he doesn't belong at the HL level anymore. He didn't know. He dominated that level when he was with the Barracuda yeah. several years ago. And so now you're putting this guy that's clearly beyond. Like, it's like Jonathan Dahlin going back to the Elitzerian League and just destroying it, right? Yeah. Like, you yeah. could take a player that's way too good for that level, drop him in there, and of course he's going to light it on fire. Like It was like Jonathan Druin. Thing. It, was like when, <laughs> it was like when Jonathan Druin got sent down from Tampa Bay oh, down yeah. into the AHL and remember that he like just destroyed yeah. it's almost like watching Lafreniere in the Quebec League oh, <laughs> oh yeah you know, in Byfield 30, unbelievable 34 points in 13 30. games like he's averaging 3 points a game <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just stupid yeah stupid. Uh, Connor's, Connor Zary's doing pretty good for Kamloops so far Kamloops is a good team man I, yeah. it's been a lot of fun to kind of you know, be in the city and be around the hype. And um, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of it, Nick, too. It's just there's a lot of Blazer hype here right now, and it's fun. Yeah, you actually hear people talking Blazers, which is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but last year was good for the Blazers because they gave uh, kind of a glimpse into the future. They were a really young team and made a little bit of noise getting into the playoffs the way they did. And now they're that much more experienced. They padded their roster a little bit more. They're a dangerous team. Yeah. Yeah. But with that, like that Utica team is unreal. Like, in, yeah. And one of the things, too, is Mikey DiPietro is playing fantastic down there. Yeah, he's playing it's really good. It's not just him, but Zane McIntyre. But they're playing really good. Yeah, they are. He hasn't lost a step up. He dominated the OHL last year, and he looks just every bit as good at the level up. Yeah, 100%. That's very promising for the Canucks. So, I wanna, I'm want i going to just drift off the Canucks just for a second here. I'm just curious, um, just because it's early into the season, is there any other teams that have surprised you or have shocked you at how bad they are? Uh, the how Dallas Star, the Dallas yeah. Stars have really shocked me on how bad they are. Um, it's funny. Uh, uh, Biz Nasty thinks they'll be the St. Louis this year. Like they'll, they'll, they'll rebound, right? Like they'll, yeah. they'll turn it around. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I think they're just having a rocky start. I mean, um, a lot of new boys, faces there. Well, and those boys party in the summer. Like they party hard. Oh. Um, they don't they don't train like the rest of the league i mean they they train you know um but they don't those boys are there to well, party like you, you look at their band and you look all at their, those guys have a reputation so. yeah you 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 look at their instagrams during the summer man and it's just wild um a team that has surprised you know i i'm obviously favored to this but um the pittsburgh penguins are winning the metropolitan with the injuries that they have it's they're insane they almost have an, one player um, out an entire year in missed games and injuries already. So just yeah. in case people have missed it, just correct me if I'm wrong. They got Malkin, Galchenyuk, um, Bukestad. Bukestad, 
Who else? Hornquist. Hornquist. Yeah, McCann's out. Like, like they're these aren't just like fourth line, third pairing people. Like these are like no. solid contributors. That's like all their center depth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like literally all of it except for Crosby is gone. So yeah. they have Malkin, Trotman, Dublin, Galchenyak, Bukestad, Rust, and McCann. That's crazy. Seven well, players out. Not, not to jump too far down this rabbit hole, but Crosby's got to be in the heart conversation early here. Oh my He goodness, has man. played next level hockey. Like... We've seen kind of everything from Sid in the last, like over the course of his career, we've seen it all. Yeah. But this is, this is phenomenal. Because, okay, so, you know, I'm not going to get into the debate of who's the best player in the world, but I'm, my, my conversation, my, my conversation about it is like McDavid can also put a team on his back like Crosby can, but Crosby still somehow creates wins out of the game, whereas McDavid, he is still learning how to do that. Like he puts up ridiculous points, but oh, yeah. at the end of the day, they still lose a hockey game. Well, and that's mm. starting to change now because he's actually it is. got but weapons. He, but he still has the supporting yeah. cast. He's got saying, James like, the real Neil Deal. <laughs> oh my goodness, James the real Neil, Neil Deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm going James with that. Neil, no, James. No, <laughs> no, Nick. <laughs> Nick, your English is next level, man. That's why. <laughs> that's why I host the show. I keep us hip with the youngsters. Steers. <laughs> I love the. I'm glad you guys caught on that though. I said it and I was like, "Crap, that was backwards. Maybe they won't notice." <laughs> oh man! Oh, we catch everything. That's Title of backwards. the podcast, right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, Very possible. Also, also uh, what's time? You good? Got oh, you guys good? What time? Yeah. What's time you guys, you guys good. good? No, it's what's yeah. time oh. you guys good? That's what we got today <laughs> when we were planning the podcast out. And was what like, time you guys good? good? No. What time you guys good? That's what it no. says. What does that even mean? What time you guys good to <laughs> podcast? Like every week when I send the message. <laughs> now all of a sudden they don't know. Okay, like, I'm going back to the hot. I want to talk about hockey, not Nick's horrendous speaking abilities. Uh, Okay, well, Jess was talking about how McDavid can't carry a game, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I I disagree, but I I think that um, the Crosby's showing next-level stuff. Drop drop Drysaddle out of that game. Drop uh, Nurse out of that game. Yeah, but you could say the same about Crosby. You'd take Letang and, and Gensel and all of yeah, them but, out of there, but, and... but Malkin and Rust and all the like, all those guys are out of the game. Galchaniak, they're all out of the game right now. Yeah, but even with all those guys out, Pittsburgh still has a better lineup than Edmonton. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Dude, that's the thing. It's like Gensel would be their Simone. Like, Simone is turning into like an awesome number two center with Malkin out of there. Like, <laughs> hey, maybe yeah. that maybe that Malkin trade to Chicago will finally happen. No. No, it's Crosby and, and Gino to the end. That's why Kessel's yeah. gone. What happened it to, out forever. What, what happened to Pittsburgh supposed to be taking to get Lafreniere this year? I honestly thought that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> With all those injuries, I was like, I would have oh, spazzed no. if they got Lafreniere. Just so people first know. First overall, I'd be like, there's way too many times you guys got the first Just so people thing. know, I tweeted out back in like July 
some like random takes or whatever or something and i was like watch pittsburgh somehow land lafreniere because they need a new generational talent and then i saw all those injuries to start the season i'm like oh no (laughs) (laughs) no but um ramuski oceanic yeah Yeah, exactly and especially because crosby went there and got his number retired there this year and everything so it's 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 gonna happen just Um, all comes full circle so, interesting thing, guys. You know how we talked about uh, Markstrom's 9.10 that he's got to average for this? He's averaging a 9.32. He's, he's killing I know. Trade him! Trade him! <laughs> Trade him while he's I, Yeah, speaking of, so I I just posted an article or had an article published on the Canuck Way this morning. Just got to say, nice oh. transition there. Beautiful. Right? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, basically, just touching on what to do with Jacob Markstrom, because a lot of people aren't really acknowledging the fact that there is an upcoming dilemma with Jacob Markstrom. Even think, your oh, comments on your great. Twitter. That's fantastic. Oh, and it's been really, like, comments on both sides. People are like, trade him right now, and trade him at the deadline, trade him at the draft. We'll let him walk for free in free agency. Sign him to an eight-year, like like a six-year contract at $7 million. Like, I've had everything on the spectrum, right? Yeah. But ultimately, I pinpoint three different dilemmas with uh, Jacob Markstrom. Um, right now, he's, he's playing well, which is great. Um, dilemma number one is he is a UFA in the summer. Um, dilemma number two is Seattle expansion draft is one year later. And that the fact that he's playing really good means that he's going to want long-term and cap. And if he's not going to get those, he's going to want protection. Canucks cannot offer any of the three, really, <laughs> without gambling their their whole future, which rests very much in Demko's hands. And so there's a conundrum, right? Do you try to lock him in? Do you worry about asset management? Or do you just let Seattle take him and then if he, you know, he, th- that's the thing is like, this isn't Vegas, right? This is your nearest geographical rival. Yeah. yeah this how, is, this how good is of a piece NHL are you going to want to give them? As your rival. Like when Seattle yeah, comes into you're the league, be NHL is going Seattle to be like, hey, Vancouver, you're the new rival. This is your match. Like, you know how they tried to do Vegas and Arizona and then it turned out yeah. to be Vegas and San Jose. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's yeah, and and, and, and Calgary and L.A. Man, yeah. I love that rivalry now. Oh, that that rivalry is so yeah, good. some random rivalries right now. It's yeah, great. but people are going to be pushing the Seattle versus Vancouver games and that rivalry, that matchup, right? Even Francesco Aquilini even said that's why he voted in favor of having Seattle have a team because mm-hmm. he wanted a rival right there. And so yeah. now you have. It helps his uh, market. Absolutely, it does. Right, you have Hockey Mad uh, City right next to Hockey Mad City. You know, you can have fans from Vancouver go down to Seattle. You could have Seattle fans come to Vancouver. You're you're selling tickets either way. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and you're so close. It's a couple hour drive. You're fine. Right. It's it'd be it's like the Buffalo and Toronto rivalry. Right. Nobody has any problem crossing the border to catch a a game between those two. Well, and that's a good rivalry right now because they're both... Well, I mean, Buffalo's playing really good hockey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, and if Buffalo's playing good, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that. So, the, but sorry, go ahead. The solution, the solution, and I'll kind of spoil the article a little bit because I think if anybody's listening to this podcast, they probably already read it. Is and if not, go read it. Is pause that, it right now and go read it. Then come back. Yeah, pause right now, <laughs> go read it, and come back to this. The solution is to trade Jacob Marshall while his value is high. Uh, you can debate on where to trade him, but ultimately you should trade him probably at the trade deadline. That'll be when his value is at its peak. I, uh, I... Anytime beyond that, his value is going to dwindle. Um, at the People are like, trade him at the draft. Why? He's going to be a free agent in like a few days. Why wouldn't they wait? Right? Yeah, and, and no, um, yeah, yeah, no one's going to trade something for him like when his... You're going to yeah. get like a fifth round pick for him. What's the point? Just let yeah. him go, right? Like, it'll be like a Kevin Hayes trade from Winnipeg to Philly. Like, nothing. Right? Well, and then, but then they're going to pay him $17 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. <laughs> I have been all over the trade, Jacob Markstrom. People got to remember, yes, he's playing super good. But this He's 30 team, years old. He's a 30 years old. He is gen- his whole career has been an average of a 9-12 save percentage. He is not part of the core young people that, A, when we're really good, Markstrom mm-hmm. likely won't be, and B, we cannot afford to protect Markstrom over these young guys. No. Now, if you give a no-trade clause or a no-move clause to Jacob Markstrom, you lose Thatcher Demko. Yes. Guarantee it. I will, like, pin this wherever you want. Come back, pull this up as a receipt. I don't care. Canucks you know what? Lose that Demko. This in that is situation. what the Canucks need to do. They, in my opinion, they trade him at the trade deadline, and I already have the perfect mm-hmm. destination. You ready for it? Ding, 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 ding. San Jose. Yes. He is the okay, perfect. I, fit I did for take a box. look around. You, you give your argument, and I'll. I'll uh, it's not an argument. I'm just saying. If I'm a team and I'm looking at a team that has a really good team and their glaring weakness is goaltending, San Jose Jose is one of those teams. 100%. See, the problem for me with that is when I went and looked at it, Martin Jones is locked in for a long time at a pretty healthy cap hit. Who cares? Um, So the problem with that is then you end up having potentially two goaltenders making up maybe $12 million of your cap hit, right? That's a lot to pay a tandem. I'm viewing this more um, as a rental for San Jose, just to be clear, specifically. That's fair. Like, San Jose yeah. hasn't no, won the true. cup. They've been a playoff team forever. And Well, and San Jose's shown that they have the balls to make a move like yeah. that. And you know what? It's not often you see goalies used as a rental, but mm-hmm. I feel like this would be a perfect situation where they don't want to run into a situation like last year where Martin Jones can't stop a beach ball in the playoffs. Do you know who, to me, is the the perfect trade partner for this? Is one of two. The New York Islanders, because they're kind of a bubble team. They don't really have any solid answers in goal. But they might be able to make some noise in the playoffs like they did last year. They right? Have... If they get a goalie that can steal them games like Markstrom. Yeah. The other one, and this is my favorite one, is Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Carolina's a Peter Mrazek is not a number one goaltender typically he's not consistent enough he's he a 1b at best he's a 1b at best he's kind of like a yarrow halak 
in my mind, right? That kind of caliber. Really good support goaltender, but not the guy that you want to ride and put all your money on. Carolina is also a really young team with a lot of cap, so they could re-sign Markstrom. Um, and they also have a really good, really good goaltender coming up, right, that they need to buy some time for. So they don't want to get too crazy and offer, like, Bobrovsky money in term to a goaltender. They also got but a lot of Jacob assets. Markstrom could be their sweet spot, right? Yeah. They also have a ton of assets, Yeah. right? So many assets. So if Canucks can pluck one or two decent or good assets from Carolina in exchange for Jacob Markstrom, that is a landslide win. Yeah. Landslide win. 100%. I, I like the Carolina fit. The Islanders, don't they have that really good goalie playing in the KHL that they're trying to get over? They do, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the KHL situation for him. But the, you're right. They do have a guy over there that's... They have his rights prospect. anyways. I don't know what his term, yeah. what his contract, anything is. I'm not saying that it's not a fit. I just I just remember people saying he's possibly the best goalie not playing in the NHL. They've got a really good goaltender but, uh, prospect. They do, yeah. But no, I, I like this. And you and I are on the same trade path. You trade Markstrom because... You, you know what you do? You trade Markstrom and everyone's like, Oh, well, is Demko ready? Go get a stopgap goalie who can back yeah. get. Just go get a solid backup for two years. Because you got to remember, Di Pietro is going to be coming. And if Di yeah. Pietro keeps playing the way he's playing, he's honestly two years. Like he plays this year in Utica, he's another two mm-hmm. years possibly till he's a regular backup. Yeah. And then your future tandem of Demko and Di Pietro, like you're, fire. you're set. You're yeah. set. So. What's the point of locking Markstrom up to a six, seven year deal? That's well, this no was point. the kind of the idea that I had with Carolina because I, I liked the Carolina idea so much that I kind of went into and looking around to see who I'd be asking for. I think if you do it at the deadline, you'd need to take a goaltender back anyways. Take James Reimer, right? Yeah. He's not a great goaltender, but he doesn't have a whole lot of term left. And Carolina's going to have no problem. They're going to want you to take him, right? In doing so, I think you could probably pull a first-round pick back or a good prospect, potentially like a Jake Bean I think you could prospect. definitely pull a first-rounder pro- a, a first back considering they have two this year. Yeah, absolutely. They keep Toronto pick or they give you the Toronto pick. And then they end up with a goaltender that is... It's going to be a perfect stopgap for them and help them in their competitive window that is happening right now. And just so people know, Reimer has one year left after this year. Correct. Which At actually helps the Canucks. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, it's a high hit for sure. But it helps the Canucks because we're just kind of buying time at, in that situation for Mikey DiPietro, who I think would be coming the year after Reimer's contract's up. Yeah, and if not, then you just get another backup for one year. Yeah. And, okay, I had to, I have to mention this one comment because it was just so funny to me. This guy's like, but this is the year. And <laughs> I was like, what? this is the year. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean this is the year? You cannot tell me that you look at this team and this is the year. And he's like, well, obviously not. I was like, but you said, like you said it was the year. I just asked you this... what you meant by that. 
to me, this is not the team. We're not in our com- our contending window, no. right? We're building towards no. it. For the we're next the... two years, we're shaping. We're, sh- we're filling we're... up the gaps. We've got the bricks in place. We're putting the mortar in, right? We're in the maybe big playoffs here. Yeah, we're in the we're exactly. in the hey, we're starting to look up a year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But we're in that situation where you can still be a seller and have it help your current plan. Like this isn't oh, we got to tank forever. No, it's a recouping assets. That's what this is. Yeah. Canucks gave up a first rounder to get JT Miller. You know what? I've come to peace with that trade. But if we can recoup a first, huge. Then I don't care about that trade at all anymore. Right? Like, this is a deep draft, this one and the one coming up next. This is a really important time to potentially sell off high valued assets that are not going to be part of your contending window. Because we have this weird age gap between veterans and this young core, sell off some of the aging players and get the young assets in. We talked about it before. We, I think all three of us are in agreement that in about two years, when Pod Colson comes over, that is when we are going to be in our contending window. That's our window. That's the beginning of it. The beginning. And it will last for three years of solid and oh and or more, like and more right well like, i yeah, wouldn't I'm just be surprised if we have six seven years of really well, good contention but we also have to be managed rightly like right yeah but that's no, too hard perfectly. to project <laughs> yeah right so in my opinion every decision that you make does this make us a contender in two years right and that's yeah. why everybody in vancouver has wanted to hear a timeline for a very long time because it gives us something to look forward to, right? It's been five years wandering around the wilderness. We want to know where we're going. Yeah. Two more years, we should be not just making the playoffs, but we should be making big noise in the playoffs. Yeah. Having, like, in two years' time, we'll have guys like Yo Levy, Tyler Madden, Niels Hoglander, uh, will be Colson. We'll have, like, potentially Rafferty, uh, some other guys coming up, Lind. There's a lot of really good talent growing I right think, now in our farm think, system, dominating the AHL. I think Lind plays his first NHL game this year. I honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised. But the problem is, there's so many people in his way, right? Yeah, I, I just think people. he, I think he gets rewarded like for one game. Give him some, yeah. I mean, and that's not even mentioning guys like Yasik. Uh, McEwen, uh, William Lockwood, uh, Jack Rathbone, like, well, I already mentioned Madden, Jet Wu, right? Like, there is so many. Even the Carson Fosht kid is playing really good. Like, there's some really good talent that's been built up in the cupboards, right? Keep building it. Teams think that as soon as you stop building or, like, rebuilding, that you stop compiling prospects. Look at Carolina, please, and tell me that they've stopped selling and trying to collect assets while they're competing for a cup. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, 
To be fair, and Carolina, they've weaponized salary cap. Yeah. To be fair to Carolina, last year was their first year of success. So they have. It's not oh, like totally. they, It's not like they've just been really good for a long time and still been gaining assets. But last but year was the their thing first. Is, but but I where you're Canucks on the same boat. But the point uh, Sean is making is they made the conference finals and they have twelve draft picks coming up in the deepest. They didn't stop uh, compiling. Draft in the deep, deepest draft like you know they they trading for assets but also their farm team is being developed like crazy and and they have the best beat writer out there like they're just a winning franchise <laughs> they're they're pretty well and that's just it jerks. Is, like, you, yeah. there's a lot of teams that get to where carolina did last year and say okay our competitive window is right now uh sell ass like uh, sell off prospects who start buy, buy, buy all these veterans and we'll push for the cup right now, right? Carolina has not done that. In fact, they traded Justin Falk, so they traded an asset in order to gain some younger pieces. They got Dominic Bach, who is a great prospect that needs a little bit of time, perfect for a team in their situation. And Joel Edmondson, who's filling in just fine for where Justin Falk was. Like Those are savvy trades. That that's where the Canucks need to be thinking right now if they want to be in Carolina's shoes soon, in my opinion. So we're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. I want to quickly just touch on one hypothetical for you, just because we were talking about it, and I'd like to talk about it just so the viewers can possibly write, tweet mm-hmm. us back and see what they think. We were touching on if there was a way Vancouver could acquire Hall. Right. So I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's a hypothetical. I'm more curious, would you guys be willing if New Jersey, like, say, let's just say we made cap situation work, okay? Let's say you had the option to get, go after Taylor Hall, and you had to choose between uh, risking it in free agency, or you were able to trade him, trade a little bit of the future to get him on an extension now. Which would you prefer to go about? The guaranteed if you give up a bit of the future or you take the risk at free agency? Free agency, and if he goes somewhere else, he goes somewhere else. Because if you trade for him, it involves Besser. Uh, it would involve someone like Olevi. Um, it would cost you Hughes. Yeah, so it's not happening. Um, the thing... So I'll play along with this hypothetical because I think uh, if I'm the Canucks, I go and talk to him in free agency and at least take my kick at the can and just say you can spit on Edmonton every, like, more than <laughs> typical because you're in Vancouver. Um, and, I mean, you'd sell, obviously, the core that you have. Um, but if you were to try to make a trade for him, I would... I would absolutely want to guarantee that he is signing. There's no way I'm doing no, anything unless I have a, a contract extension ready for him to sign. Yeah. But um, in that situation, if you took out kind of the, the main core off the table as far as tradability goes, which I think honestly wouldn't be unrealistic um, just because New Jersey's, New Jersey's in a corner with the with the hall negotiations their team sucks they're not going to make the playoffs in my opinion uh you can throw this in my face if it doesn't work out later and they do somehow make it 
but as it sits right now, there's no way they're going to make it, in my opinion. And that's all that he wants, is he wants to play in the playoff. So he's going to walk away for free, former Hart Trophy winner, for nothing. It'll be a John Tavares situation all over again, but for a different New York-based team. And so what's their options, right? Trade and try to get something back, or just like demand a ransom from teams. There's no way that anybody's going to pay a ransom because they know that they don't have the power of negotiation on their side, right? So if they call and they're like, we want Quinn Hughes, Vancouver laughs and hangs up the phone because we're not going to mortgage a player of Quinn Hughes' caliber for a, a guy that's like 28 years old and yeah. is not, you know, he's not of the same age of this group either. So uh, in that case, like, if they're willing to take on like a couple project pieces, you know, like if they're they were somehow willing to take on like a Jake for Tannen, uh, maybe you maybe you wrap up a Markstrom trade in there somehow. They do need um, goaltending. <laughs> they do need goaltending unless they're playing Vancouver. Then Mackenzie Blackwood's more than enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, like that to me is another way they could hypothetically do it, but. Okay. Again, to Jess's point, I think the best way for them and the most realistic way for Vancouver to do it is, would be free agency. And just to quickly add to this, in this hypothetical world, if you acquired him, would you play him with Petey or Brock? I mean, Petey or Bo? Bo. Bo. Bo? Cool. I'm in agreement there. Okay, yeah. so uh, any thoughts, last thoughts from you, gents, before we sign off for the night? Uh, no, I'm, I think we've touched on everything I want to talk about, so I'm good. When's the next game you're going to, Jess? Uh, Friday, I'll be at the Capitals game. Nice. Nice. What about you, Sean? We were talking about maybe doing that one, but, um... Oh, so that means, uh, well, the only game so far that I've missed is, uh... Oh, you know what? Hold on, I got some final thoughts. So I've been at two games that I've seen the Canucks score 13 goals in person. <laughs> Jess needs to go to the Canucks games. <laughs> yeah. I, I missed the Flyers game just on the Saturday, but then, so, like, I saw eight goals at the home opener and, and then five against Detroit. Was on national television, beauty, you know, got text messages from my aunt in Ontario. Be like, oh, we just saw you on the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. uh, I definitely need to be at the Capitals game. Um, I've never seen Ovi live. Uh, I've seen oh really Crosby tw- seen Crosby twenty three times, but I've never seen Ovi live. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm I'm becoming a huge Ovi fan, man. I want him to pass Greg. Becoming just I, now, yes. No, I've been on the Ovi hype train for years. No, <laughs> since but like oh eight. <laughs> no, I, but like I've I've been I've always just been like oh yeah he's he's awesome. But right. since he won the cup, I've actually started to really like him. Hmm. That's interesting yeah. as, as a Penguins fan. Yeah. Um, for me, my final thoughts really are go read that article. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones I've I've written just because I, I'm so passionate on the topic. Uh, and I think it's a issue that people need to, to talk about more. And this is the right time to talk about it as much as people think it's too early. Um, Otherwise, you know what? This has been a really exciting year. A lot of optimism around the team, and for good reason. Uh, I'm loving watching the Canucks again, which is really nice to be able to say. It's uh, not boring. It's, really... it's not boring hockey. Most of the time. No, I mean, aside from the Devils game, 
like the devil's game was like a flashback but it's been run and gun and it's been a lot of fun and i yeah jay miller is super happy with that even tyler myers was has been playing awesome this year jimmy timothy timothy man yeah oh uh that's that name have one quick little final thought uh please like and retweet my tweet to antonio brown and that's it <laughs> asking about pluto the hard yeah. questions yeah yeah um, well, he, asking the difficult that's ones. about it for me you know what it's it's a it's a thing like you know he's talking about pluto is, is it real <laughs> awesome <laughs> Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Area 51 Hockey Podcast. We'll tune in with you all next week. Until then, farewell. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Area 51 Hockey Podcast. Hope to see you all next week. Till then, farewell.